everybody. Hello. And welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. It's a podcast that exists to prove people wrong. When they say sequels are never better than the originals. That is true. And we have now delved into another series. We're doing a nice tight trilogy. And it I've is been excited a, to do this one. I uh, yeah, it's been on our docket for a very long time. Yeah. And that is a movie it's it's Marvel's first hit. Yeah. It's a movie called Blade. And with oh. us today, <laughs> we have a returning guest, someone who we really enjoyed and had to have him back. It's Cutter Calloway. Welcome to the podcast Hello. again. Thank you. Thank you. I, I thought for a minute ago, I know it's your normal tagline, but I thought you were talking about me when it came to sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to prove that sequels aren't worse than the original. So hopefully the sequel uh, guest yeah, a lot spot of, is... A lot of pressure on you. I know. Me, meets the high demand that we created with our lengthy discussion before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Cutter, I, you know, I sent you a big long list of movies to choose from, and you immediately yep. jumped to Blade, and I always am curious why a guest chooses a movie. So why'd you choose Blade? Well, uh, really, it, it's self-motivated because uh, I have a I have a podcast coming out. Uh, well, I'm, I'm rebooting my podcast. I've had one for a little while. Um, it's been all over the place. Um, this one will probably be launching. We'll probably have the pilot out sometime during this summer. Uh, we're in 2023. And then hopefully uh, early fall, the uh, weekly episodes will start coming out. And the entire first season... Is going to be on <clears throat> horror, and I have to say that well because I'm I have a weird accent. So <laughs> the, the the horror genre, and so I was like, well, if I'm gonna hug two birds with one with one wing, I thought, why not pick the thing that's closest? Um, yeah. and we can do some. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, marketing across cross cross promotion. Yes. Cross promotion. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I thought that'd be fun, and uh, MCU, and um, then the. Then I can share a little bit about my story, Blade, the first time I watched it. But yeah. uh, that's that's the main reason why I picked that of all the ones you gave me. Okay, great. And and I mean, since we're here, and, and by the time this comes out, we can assume that the world is still here and everyone's still around and your podcast has come out. What is it called so that people can find it? Well, this is a good question. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, and then maybe you have to go and post and like beep and like you know. <laughs> Um, the, right, okay. right now, the working title of the big podcast is Watch This. Okay. The season, I think, is going to be called Be Afraid. Okay. Um, so a lot of it will be talking about fear and, and, and how what different kinds of uh, subgenres of horror, what kinds of fears they invoke, uh, that sort of thing. So, cool. um, and then in this case, like vampires, like what do vampires, what kinds of fears are they tapping into that make them appealing to audiences? It, are, can you tell us any of the movies that you're going to be covering, or is that top secret right now? Well, it's a little. Well, by the time this comes out, it won't be as secretish. But um, we're probably going to actually focus on. Uh, well, it'll be driven by the filmmakers um, okay. and the films they're making. But then we're going to try to compile. Um, basically, like you're walking into each episode is a new room of a haunted house. Yeah. Uh, okay. So each room has sort of like a different kind of scare. Um, and so, uh, one might be on supernatural horror, another might be on like uh, body horror, another mm -hmm. one on, uh, you know, sort of that mix of, uh, sci-fi suspense thriller plus monsters, you know, um, of course we'll have some zombie horror, that sort of stuff. Uh, so those are some of the genres we'll go into. Um, there are a couple of 
newer films that are coming out this fall. And so that's what I'll tease the audience. Um, oh, okay. Are, are pretty big uh, films uh, in the in the horror franchise world. Um, some sequels and some reboots. Mm -hmm. That'll be pretty fun. So um, yeah, talking to some uh, uh, on-screen talent, some directors, some writers, some producers, uh, wow. some sound designers. Nice, so sound that's cool. Be fun. So uh, yeah, it should be, uh, should be fun. And actually uh, some psychologists. So oh, uh, Dang, one of the things this is going to be good. Is, yeah, just like, you know, because there there is some good right and what any any entertainment in general sometimes you ask like is that good for you right <laughs> but with horror what is it that that we might go is actually healthy psychologically and then are there sometimes we're like yeah that, that may not be all that great for you right um so psychologist as well helping us uh talk through some of those things man um, I, I can't, can't wait to listen yeah, that sounds so good <laughs> I'm going to uh, watch the or listen to the episodes with a notepad and just be like, okay, I'm going to try and contact this person to guest on an episode. And now I'm going to try and contact <laughs> this person to guest on an episode. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I haven't fi finally landed one yet, but I think the the person, I don't know. I mean, I've I've gotten yeses or, or, or yes, but I can't do it um, for certain reasons, is I'm, I'm going to interview or at least hope to interview um, an actual working exorcist. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I know. And so it's funny because, you know, you can talk to people about the movies they've made that might be about exorcisms. Yeah. Or super, but I'm like, I'm actually kind of, I'm a little nervous. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to, uh, what are we, oh, you've actually done this sort of stuff. What's that like? So, um, so that's my hope. The, the first couple are actually not, not in the ministry anymore. They're doing other stuff. So apparently they can't do press. Uh, type oh, okay. Things, interesting. They're not actively in it. Um, but um, I'm tracking them down. I'm going to get, I'm going to get me a, an exorcist and it's going to be great. So. Dang, wow. That is so interesting. Well, you got at least two listeners headed your way. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. It'll be the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about our first experiences. Yeah. Um, I think for me, this is just one of those movies. It, it, it came out when I was a little bit too young to, you know, go see an R rated gore fest. You would have been four years old. Oh, okay. Even younger than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, this so, is 1998. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. We both would have been a little too young. <laughs> both far too young. Um, I so, will say though that all of the interviews I've done with regular people on the horror podcast, and I asked them two questions. One, what's your earliest memory of being afraid? And then two, what's the uh, earliest memory you have of being afraid in a movie? And oh, interestingly, cool. it, they're almost the same question a lot of times. And almost yeah. always, it's like, I was five years old and I was with my cousins and the cousins pulled out, you know, uh, <laughs> guys. And so yeah. oh, sure. maybe maybe you had seen Blade at four. That's a that's fair point. Yeah, but yeah. Micah, I, I think I can't remember we've talked about it on the podcast, but when I was a kid, there was this movie that was on TV and it was this really horrifying thing that was happening. And I like got so scared, but I just left the room. My dad was watching it, went to the other room, just playing some video games. But I was so like distraught over this thing that I saw that I came back out and was like crying. And I was a oh, child man, yeah. and it was like, it got to me. And for years I could not remember what it was that I saw. I remembered that there was a dog and a lady ironing and the dog like hypnotized her and then she like ironed her baby. And oh, it yes. was very, and so it, I don't remember it showing her ironing her baby. It's like she envisioned it happen. Either way, it was terrifying. Um, but for years, it's like, where did I see that? What, what, what happened? And you, Micah, found it. It was the omen, too. 
Oh. It was Omen 2 or 3. 2 or 3. You found, like, the clip on YouTube, and, like, I was looking at it and watching it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I can't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, kidding. I'm, like, that, that anxiety like, and fear is like, coming like, back. the childhood trauma come back to you. Yeah. So I still have not watched it <laughs> since then. But it's, I don't know. It's funny. I was going to say it's funny because um, my story with Blade is I'm a little older than you guys. So uh, my wife and I used to see, when we were dating, just basically everything. We lived in a... Mm town where there was nothing else to do but watch movies and so um we went and saw blade and it was actually one of the first movies. i mean we again we we didn't we didn't like read reviews and do anything we just watched everything mm -hmm. so it was, it was not a great uh a great approach <laughs> and um i believe it was blade that she finally was like yeah no enough is enough and it, and it was the basically opening segment um oh, and wow. she's like i'm out no yeah. more um so she she wasn't, I wouldn't say traumatized, but she was like, that was the moment when she decided uh, her appetite for violence in films was uh, a little a little less than mine. Uh, I could endure a lot, but she walked yeah. out and that was, I think, the first movie I've ever walked out of because my wow. girlfriend at the time is like, yeah, yeah. So that's wow. my late story. My, yeah. I mean, blood raining from the I, ceiling doesn't get a lot, doesn't get much more violent than that. It's true. <laughs> so... I, I, now I now I have to follow up right away, but but you did see it again in between then and recording. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> not that that would be a problem, but I you know. yeah. I mean, that would be what would that be? That'd be 25, 25 years. Uh, that would yeah. I, I would not be. I would not trust my uh, memory that well. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, That's yeah. an interesting first experience, though. It is very interesting. Um, but yeah, I for for me, and I I mean, I can kind of speak for you at the same yeah. time. We, it, this is just one of those movies you hear about a lot and it's kind of like i think you know it's not like a an a tier must see movie but it's certainly in the the b where it's like okay once you've knocked out some of the classics you should definitely watch this movie right and so a couple of years ago we threw it on was it your first time too that was my first time as oh, well i don't remember that okay um and i'd heard a lot about the opening scene in the movie okay and that was when i when i i think i saw a little footage of it and i was kind of like okay I need to track down this movie right away and watch this and watched it. And I think I was in a little bit of an uppity mood where I was like, those effects aren't very good. Therefore the movie's just okay. And then we rewatched it last night and I'm like, this movie freaking rules. I really like this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know I, if you had anything to add on yours. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I knew this movie existed growing up, but knew nothing pretty much beyond that. I didn't even know it was a Marvel movie until, or, you know, a Marvel thing until yeah. um, you probably told me before watching it. The thing that would get me more than anything is I, I just love, because it's uh, like monster related things where it's like, oh, what's their version of a vampire? I'll watch it yeah. simply for that reason. Like, what are, what are they, what's their take on it? Um, so, yeah. And that's something that's like endlessly fascinating. I think about vampires, um, and and maybe maybe we kind of jump the gun and talk a little bit about that um, because they're they're so adaptable, and people have so many different versions. Mm -hmm. And we just watched Daybreakers a couple months ago, oh, a yeah. movie that I thought was pretty bad, but it was so worth watching just because of the concept. Where I was like, I'm glad I watched it, even though I don't think the third act really works. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, so I mean, I, so why uh, is that? <laughs> what, like, why are we fascinated with vampires? Yeah, why does it um, keep on coming back? You know, I mean, the history of vampires is kind of uh, 
vague and ambiguous. There's a lot. It's interesting. There's a lot of like overlapping stories um, that uh, are that kind of merge in in various different places. I mean, a lot of people think of of Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. you know, um, the original original. But even before then, there were um, different sort of uh, episodes where you'd get these t- these kind of creatures that had a, a bloodlust, if you will. So I think the 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 couple things that are uh, sort of scary or tap into like our fears. Um, one, it kind of depends on the origin of the vampire, right? So like, what mm-hmm. are they from some like technological uh, accident that they're created? Is it from a uh, like a, a virus that spreads? That's that's one thing that happens. Is it from a sort of super secret kind of like religious society or sect? Like each of those, I think it's at a slightly different um kind of core fear the undead uh just terrify us um in part because we're grappling with our own mortality um this uh whole sort of approach to psychology called terror management theory would say that uh basically all of our human motivations are driven by our fear of death um and that could mean i'm worried that just that i'm gonna die and i don't want to face it so i like have all this cognitive dissonance that i have to deal with Mm -hmm. or like i'm afraid my death is gonna go really bad like it's gonna be super painful um i could be afraid that in light of death, the stuff I'm doing right now is meaningless. So, mm-hmm. so like this idea of being a sort of animated corpse or, a, you know, an eternal figure that um, never actually dies. And, and, you know, you get a lot of these tropes with vampire movies where um, they lose all their friends. Right. So, yeah, imagine you are uh, an, a person that grows older than all of their friends and and uh siblings and family and relatives and you might know some people that are quite old and they've just lost all that sort of social circle that's a really terrifying reality to imagine on you know going on and on and on and on um but at the core of it though uh i think or not the core but at at the most sort of visceral with blade um and i think this gets in a lot of the sort of vampire stuff there's there's this overtone of kind of like sexual violence yeah and yeah i actually thought the most disturbing scene i didn't remember this but the most disturbing scene in this blade is um when he has to suck the blood from uh karen yeah uh, Absolutely. at the end and it's like it's like a almost like a rape scene it was like the yeah, way they filmed weird. it it was yeah yeah i i did not like that this go it's been a while since i've seen it and i was yeah. like whoa that what's happening there and i think that's on purpose right yeah. Um, and so that's the interesting thing about the vampire lore is it's it's been highly it's like a sexual predator. It's not just after our lifeblood, but there's yeah. something um, that seems quite sort of violent and, and intrusive about the character of a vampire that's different than like a zombie or something. Right. It's right. just kind of mind coming after you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think as far as like the original Bram Stoker from, from the little part that I read, there, there's definitely an element of, of, you know, there's like it, it, to me, a lot of times vampires are some sort of metaphor for sex. Um, I'm not the most like equipped person to have those sorts of conversations. Uh, but, um, so it's like, you're taking like the young, pure virgin mm-hmm. a lot of times in yeah. these, in these sorts of movies. And, that's one of the, even though those movies aren't very good, the story's not very good, it's kind of an interesting element of the Twilight series that, like, yeah. the idea that these things that are all about sex uh, are all about how you should wait till you get married is, like, <laughs> the thing that yeah. Stephanie Meyer wanted yeah, to yeah. do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's definitely in there. And then there's a weird, 
almost like Oedipus thing with his mom going on toward the yeah. in that in that yeah. same sequence, and I had forgotten all of that stuff in this movie. Um, it's certainly interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. There's something just definitely vampires are very intimate. Yeah. Especially because yeah. it's like you classically like they're biting the neck. That's the classic way to think of it. And yeah. that's just very close proximity. And then the fact that it's blood life force, it's just there. That's like another intimate thing about it. That's very strange. Yeah. And, and freaky. Yeah. Cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's scary. Like that's, it's a threat, right? It's like different yeah, kind right. of threat than just you, just, you can kill me or just whatever. It's a, it's very close at home. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the making of the movie and then keep diving back in. Uh, this movie is directed by Stephen Norrington, who, uh, was a special effects artist on Aliens. And oh. then he, uh, works on this movie. Uh, he did, he did another like independent movie, which got him this movie. And then he directed League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, okay. Uh, an experience he found so painful and awful that he has not directed a movie since. No way. Uh, and have you said that that's the movie that Alan Moore is like, I'm no longer seeing these movies? I believe that is the movie that Alan Moore, the creator of that that comic series, along with the artist, uh, saw, and he said, I am never going to watch something that someone adapts oh. again of mine. I'm wow. pretty sure it's that. Interesting. Uh, Alan Moore, famous famous weirdo, though. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't take his advice, but definitely read his stories. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he had a bad experience and, and essentially Sean Connery didn't really act much after that as well. So both of those guys had a terrible experience. I think they clashed together as well as with the studio. Okay. Um, I have heard, and I don't know if this is just how people reclaim movies every 20 years or not, but I have heard that there's a definitely a contingency of people who like that movie a lot. You just need to watch it. We've talked about it so many times. Yeah. Have you seen it, Cutter? No, I've, and mainly because everyone said it was terrible. So <laughs> right. um, I, yeah. I, I say that I don't think I did it. You know, I, I need to go back and, you know, you ever see, I'm like watching the movie halfway that I didn't think I ever seen. I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. So <laughs> right. um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive. I have not seen it though. Okay. Okay. Um, and then what's interesting too is Blade was written by uh, David Goyer though. Um, yeah. And he yeah. wrote things like uh, Dark Knight. Um, and I think Batman Begins or, uh, one of the other, uh, Christopher Nolan Batmans. So he was on Rises. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Batman Begins, Dark Knight and, uh, Dark City, which I never saw, but, um, he's, uh, he's a pretty good writer in terms of like the, un or rethinking the sort of superhero, uh, franchise or, or, uh, genre. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and he's. He's interesting because he hears rumblings that they want to make a Blade movie at New Line, and he, like, runs over there, and he immediately pitches them a trilogy of movies. Wow. And he, he'd had a little bit of success. Uh, the The movie he had come out with before then uh, was Dark City, um, which recently watched. It's a really good movie. Would definitely recommend. And I know you're a Matrix fan, and it's kind of um, in that same vein of movies, so... That's when we watch with yeah. my dad. Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought that with this with Blade too. I thought rewatching Blade, it reminded me so much of Matrix. Uh, yeah, like yeah. The set set pieces, the music, the sort of uh, nightclub, uh, totally um, house house music and stuff. So there was a lot of except the effects 
were like it's interesting just one more year later the effects were so much better <laughs> right um, yeah. and that's what i thought was interesting with the wachowskis of like they did a lot of technological innovation in addition to storytelling um but but i do still think any it's like when we watch terminator 2 i don't know if you remember ever watching that but man when that thing came out i remember sitting watching that movie and saying it will never get better than this there will yeah. not be better <laughs> yeah this is it it's as good as it gets and now I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's awful. Like, what is that? You know, so we, we need to remember 1998, you were four. We, we thought it was amazing. Right. I, I always, I think about that, like, when I saw the new Avatar movie, I, I thought to myself, like, th this is actually, like, impossible to get further. But I'd recently rewatched Avatar 1, and just the jump from 1 to 2, I know it's been a lot of years, yeah. was, like, insane yeah how much better looking two looked than one and one already looks better than all other special effects movies like yeah. as far as realism goes like if they if they redid blade they could just go back and and do it like a small little edit there's only like three or four times where yeah. i'm like oh for me it's um, really the they... the last part of the movie where it's like oh this really rips me out of the moment yeah, the CG yeah. blood is not super great. And the, like, skeleton bats flying around. Like, yeah. I like what they're doing. I just... Yeah, yikes. yeah. 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 Um, Agreed. But, yeah, so this this is Goyer's first, like, comic hit. Awesome. Like, I, he, he had done, he'd done some work on, like, the Crow sequel, which is also comic books. But, I mean, that's the sequel, and I don't think anyone ever talks about or has seen the sequel to that movie. So this is his first big one. And this is also Marvel's first big movie because the the movie they'd released prior to this was uh, called Howard the Duck, which did not do so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it is really funny because I, I remember so they made that, assuming that's like four kids. I mean, I, I've never seen the movie and I've yeah. never read Howard the Duck, but they're the first comic book movie they're going to choose to make is that one, which I feel like. Yeah. Might be more in line for kids, and then they do a hard left, and they're like, "Let's do an R." <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's interesting. <laughs> and um, I do remember it was pretty funny though um, when Black Panther was coming out. Yeah, you know there was a lot of talk about like this is the first like black superhero. Yeah, and all of these people were like, "Are you joking? The first <laughs> successful Marvel movie before even Spider Man or X Men was a black superhero." Yeah. Um, now. Black Panther was even more successful, and the first MCU. Yeah, but uh, Wesley Snipes has got the title. You yep. got to give it up for the Snipes man. Um, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to say as well that according to Stephen Dorff, who is the bad guy in this movie, mm -hmm. uh, Norrington has just been making a movie with miniatures in his house for the past few years, and says prior he, to this, no, 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 this was in 2018. He said this. Oh, and he's probably it's might take like a decade more for him to finish the movie. He's making his mad dog. Mad god, yeah. God, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, I guess, and, and the other thing he said is he's, he said he cares more about his art and making something he wants to make, which is pretty admir admirable because a lot of people just take the money and do what they're told. Hmm. So <laughs> it's kind of cool that he's willing to just stay out of it for 20 years, just yeah. make his own thing. Um, um, and I, uh, Sorry, I was doing just a little background research the last two minutes. And oh yeah, because Howard the Duck, I said, oh wait, Howard the Duck's important, and it failed <laughs> and flopped. Do you know what happened because of that? Um, so it was uh, George Lucas's like lights, arts, magic, or whatever. 
did Howard the Duck. It bombs. And in anticipation of having to uh, uh, pay for it, uh, Lucas sells his graphics department and Steve Jobs buys it and names it Pixar. So Pixar Pixar emerges in part because a failure of the first Marvel movie, Howard the Duck. Um, We would not have Pixar if it wasn't for that. So I um, did not know that. Yeah, in addition to Blade, that's how uh, how all that worked out. Whoa. Well, cool. let's wrap up the podcast. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I, I did never not heard know that. that. I knew George Lucas was involved somehow. Um, With Howard the Duck. But I, I didn't, I've never seen it and I've never bothered to spend any time on it. I've um, seen a clip of it and it was very yeah. Uh, funny but i don't think that was the no 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 it was laugh at funny not yeah. laugh with funny yeah um well we should watch it sometime yeah we should. i i want to watch it uh the cinematography yeah. is by theo van de sand uh who is a dutch cinematographer and done a lot of dutch movies but he's also done little nicky and grown-ups one and two okay <laughs> the music is by mark isham who did point break and october sky uh Love the score of this movie. Lo- yeah. Love all the music. Um, yeah. Movie comes out August. Well, we've talked about what, cause you, we, you and I don't listen to like this kind of music, like the, the house or the trap music. Yeah. But it's just so funny whenever it's in the context of a movie like this, which includes like matrix yeah. and like in John wick, they have stuff like this too. Uh-huh. It's like, Oh, I love this. This is like the best music ever, but it's, it's when it's contextual. It's yeah. like, Oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> Seeing... All, all CD underground uh, behavior happens with that soundtrack. That's... Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. much so. <laughs> and particularly seeing Keanu Reeves in a club is a specific, it's, it's specific. own thing where I'm always That's like, a genre. all right, cool. Yeah. Yep. All right, you're going to be cool. taken into the Matrix now or you're going to kill everyone in this club <laughs> and fall off of several things. I'm glad I paid money to see this. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, movie comes out August 12th, 1998 on a 45 million dollar budget. It makes 70 here in the US and 131 worldwide. That's a success. Um especially for an R-rated horror, but this was back in the 90s when they weren't scared to make R-rated movies. Um for mm-hmm. adults, so uh it's fine. Um well, and it was, I mean, I know it's Marvel, but it was not I mean, I don't remember I mean, you know, the MCU didn't exist as it does today. Yeah. So my memory of it coming out had no reference to anything else. This was not a part of any universe. Yeah, it was just a blade. Just blade. That was it. Um, and maybe you knew it was he was a, a Marvel superhero, but it didn't matter, and it was not really even referenced. So that's the interesting thing now. Like, um, was there? I think Deadpool, right? Is the like I was trying to think of any other R-rated Marvel movie because they have to be. Capped at PG thirteen, I feel like uh, for the audience that they need. Well, you got uh, the two Deadpool's and then Logan. Logan, the, Logan, that's right. But it's not, is Logan technically part of the MCU? No, right? Like, no, I don't know. No. The, yeah. Those are both so, the Fox X Men movies. So the MCU yeah, has yet yeah. to make the the R dive. But yeah, um, did, yeah. but they are because of the them acquiring Fox. Yeah, Deadpool uh, three. Yeah. Will Deadpool be three R will be and... MCU. Yeah, they're and art. They're looping them back. Yeah, looping yeah. them back in. So we'll and they see. are making but, Blade, and I, I hope yeah. I, I don't think they should shoot. I don't think comic book movies should necessarily shoot for R, um, as like yeah. the main end all be all. But yeah. if it's this tone, I'm gonna be very happy with the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 
Well, my daughters, they are fascinated with what is and is not rated R. And they <laughs> they watched Mamma Mia recently. That's PG-13. And they couldn't figure out why it was rated PG-13. <laughs> so they, they're looking up the parental guides. And it says there's like some intense motion, uh, emotional moments of, of people crying. Um, and so there are. <laughs> and, but then they're, they're watching the basketball game with me last night. And uh, Stray's comes on it's a it's like a dog movie yes, but it's that's yes. like you know yeah. and it's like a hard r and but they didn't they, they couldn't figure it out my seven-year-old's like no dad it's about it's about puppies it's like they go on a journey together and i'm like I, but but no it's it's an r it's a, it's a <laughs> you're not seeing the red r. band trailer <laughs> yes exactly so um you know what what may or may not count uh for blade uh it might have gotten a, a pg-13 uh in today's uh uh world take a few f-bombs out and i think you can you could potentially get that pg-13 so we'll see yeah that's true because i don't know if the blood raining since it's not gushing out of people you might be okay well i would yeah. be curious curious about that because this movie is pretty sexual like yeah. and it's yeah. very sexualizing and i wonder if this came well i guess we are gonna get a blade movie but like this movie came out and yeah. it's like what would the mcu change in that way to make it fit yeah. their parameters if that's what they wanted was a PG-13. Well, yeah. and and yeah. I think the the biggest thing that they would change now and one of the biggest things I appreciated about this movie and this is talking more about the plot is the way they dole out the information and build the world is so they just show us, they don't tell us. Yep. And you know, the scene where like Chris Chris Christopherson is like, "Hey, uh, you know, I think you need more. And he goes to the serum guy and the serum guy doesn't, he doesn't go on about the different strains of this or that. Yeah. And All like, Blade says, says is like, I think I'm, you know, I'm building up a tolerance. And the guy's like, yeah, thought that would happen. 30 second scene. That's yeah. it. That's a two and a half minute scene in MCU. Yeah. And, and huh. it's like building the world and you, it'll make a reference to Captain America probably because <laughs> his serums in everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be one of the biggest changes is that I think that the next movie will be more lore heavy, but, but less like vampire lore and more the MCU lore. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. kind of sometimes yeah. a trap they get stuck in. Yeah. I, I mean, I just yeah. hope they can marry the fantasy and the science stuff because I feel yeah. like a lot of the times my issues with some of some MCU movies is when they go too science heavy and it's like, none of it matters. Yeah. You're yeah. just making up words. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I hope they can bridge it well. Like I feel like they do it well in Black Panther. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, they can. They can well, do it. They can do it. And this one it could be, you know, you could risk too much origin story type stuff, you know, for Blade or not. And yeah. that's like why this one it just cuts right to the chase. Here he is. He's operating already. Yeah. He's a known entity in the underworld. And the the backstory reveals itself, but that's kind of the that's kind of the whole you know the the plot is oh I'm, i thought i was avenging my mom it turns out <laughs> she's one of them uh and right. oh this dude's the guy that i wanted to kill right um he's sort of my vampire dad right uh in that sense so um yeah it would yeah. be it'd be interesting to see if they try to reboot that um because that's actually pretty faithful to the mark to the original sort of marvel story um, okay even, even in the character names and stuff so um i i i don't know what they'll if they'll need to or try to um, change to try to incorporate all those other, you know, uh, storylines in it. Interesting. Yeah. It, it'll be, it'll be quite, quite interesting to see what they do. Um, what, one thing that's interesting, speaking of the comics here, so that 
so the character premieres in 1973, and he's made by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Um, the guy's last name is Wolfman, and he doesn't do werewolf. He he does actually work on. Oh, he does that. That what was the oh. Marvel like one shot they did last year? Oh, it was so cool. Whatever it was called. Yeah, Night <laughs> of the Werewolf or yeah, something like that. He that, he oh, created that okay, character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, thank, um, thank goodness. <laughs> um. What, what? It's called not. I'm, I gotta Google it while you go. go <laughs> Werewolves within was that was was that no, what it's called? I don't think so. Ah. I don't remember werewolf being in the title. Yeah. Well, cut me off when you get to it. Uh, Marvel. So they made it. He premiered in the Tomb of Dracula, and he was originally Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by oh, Night. Okay. Werewolf by Night. Yes. Okay. Cool. A classic place for a werewolf to be. Night. <laughs> um, yeah. And the character was originally. Not a daywalker, but was a human that was immune to being a vampire. Oh. Uh, and, of course, this happens all the time with their characters. They slowly evolve over the course of, you know, 60 years. Um, but what, what was interesting was David S. Goyer added the um, the samurai sword. Oh, interesting. Uh, in, the, in the comics, he had daggers up to that point. Okay. And then Marvel Comics was like, yep, he's got a samurai sword now. <laughs> so that's it's always interesting when... Um, when someone makes an adaption and then the original source goes, okay, that's cooler. That's now Blade's yeah. thing. He's got a big blade. You, It's right there in the title. I don't know why he didn't have it from the get-go. Yeah, it would be, if it was daggers, it would be called Blades, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, more than... <laughs> yeah and, and one of Goyer's big things is he wanted to get away from the romantic, like, gothic part of vampires a little Interesting. bit. And steer away from, like, Interview with the Vampire yeah. and Rice stuff. And do something that he described as more realistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not realistic, but I get what he's saying. No, that's cool. It, I mean, even when they get into the the end of the movie and they're getting into the lore. Yeah. And, and like the bad guys like doing his thing. That's even that even feels different than the like it's not goth. It's still not gothic, even though they're going that yeah that route with it. Totally. That's cool. Um, and then basically, Wesley Snipes was trying to get a Black Panther made movie oh. made for a long time it doesn't go into production and he's like okay i'll do blade let's do this okay. uh the movie starts going they shoot it they have a stan lee cameo but it was cut what yeah crazy oh uh and then goyer fought for colon and wolfman uh to get credit on the movie um, and then Wolfman's representatives pushed back on Colin getting a credit, and Goyer was like, "You didn't even have a credit to begin with, and you guys <laughs> both created this character. You both should get the credit." What? Um, and that's what I got for Blade. That's very interesting. I know. But then Marv Wolfman did sue Marvel because he didn't get paid for this movie. Oh, interesting. All, which there's a whole. I mean, that's a podcast in its own on Marvel writers and how they get paid and, and how, how they don't work. get paid. Yeah. And and he lost a lawsuit, so. Dang, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of bad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, just to, <laughs> to touch on a couple of the actors. So, of course, Wesley Snipes plays Blade. Um, he's also a New Jack City, Demolition Man, White Men Can't Jump, which I just saw they're, like, remaking that. Um, really? And then, it's like. Made, it's out. Oh, it's already made and it's out. That's what I saw today. Oh. Um, Is it, I'm assuming it came out with like a massive thud if if yeah and it's like it was like straight to streaming and i don't think it's getting good really great reviews okay 
Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and then um, most recently something he's he's been in is um, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. He does some voice stuff in that. Oh, okay. Um, whoops. Did he cameo in What We Do in the Shadows? I can't recall. He did. He okay. did. Yeah. Very cool. So funny. The show, though, right? Or the movie? Yeah. It the was show. It was the finale of season one. That's right. Where they had, like, everyone who's ever been a vampire in a movie. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Um, and then Stephen Dorff, um, who plays Deacon Frost, um, he's also in Immortals, Somewhere, um, World Trade Center, Divinity, and much more. Um, Chris Christopherson, who plays, his character's name is Whistler, but which I can't remember them saying that. They said it a lot. Okay. Yeah. That's just, that's just a yeah. new thing. Um, he is in A Star is Born, the 1976 one. Right. Oh, no. Um, He's also in Payback, um, Forever Young, and Mr. In-Between. Is he Alice doesn't live here anymore? Whoops. Isn't he that guy? Yes. Okay. He's also in Alice doesn't live here anymore. Um, I just needed to know that for my own sanity. Yeah. (laughs) And then Karen is played by N. Bush Wright. I'm probably pronouncing the first name wrong. Um. She's also in Dead Presidents, Zebrahead, Fresh, um, uh, God's Forgo- Forgotten House, and a lot more things. Um, trying to see. And then I'll do uh, Donald Logue, um, who plays Quinn. Yeah. I think um, it's Loge. Loge. Okay. Um, he is in so many things. Yeah. Um, the Patriot, Zodiac, um, The Tao of Steve. The Equalizer, Dormouse, Law and Order. And then just to end it on Udo Kier, played, who plays Dragonetti, um, who's the guy that we will see in things and for some reason always think he's in um, Ark Ra- of the Covenant. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Raiders yeah. of the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's never him. <laughs> um, it, that doesn't make sense. Um, but he's in things like Downsizing. <laughs> So we probably thought about it. When I, we saw I'm that sure movie. in that movie, I said the same thing. Is that the guy? Um, Swan Song, Hunters. Um, and he is the Hot Fuzz guy, right? Let me double check. Who in Hot Fuzz? Uh, one, uh, I think like the priest no, of he's, the... No, he's not in Hot Fuzz. I think there's another guy then. Oh. Or maybe that guy is the Raiders. I don't know. We can't We can't relegate our audience. How did you say to... Raiders? I'm, I'm going to look it up. Because I, you're right. He does look like the Raiders. Are that is played by. <laughs> it Paul, blows my mind. Paul Freeman, I think. This guy. Huh? Right. The Raiders. Yeah. Person? Oh yeah, that's the Raiders of the Lost Ark guy. I think they both have like. Piercing oh, and that blue is the eyes. guy in Hot Fuzz. So he's in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. They just have that piercing blue eye. Yes. Interesting. Okay, well, thank you for that clarification, Jordan. <laughs> so we've set the table. Do you, do you have? Do we have anything to say before we start kind of going through the movie? Let's do it. Okay, so the movie begins and it goes to. It's in 1967. A pregnant woman rushed into the hospital, and she dies on the hospital floor, and gives birth to a baby. It's like one minute long, and she's been injured she's clearly yeah. been her neck is injured but again way. i i i fear like like you said cutter that maybe the the next movie this will be the first hour of the movie <laughs> <laughs> like establishing this while he's like punching up you know like 
a punching bag and like training and it'll be yeah. just a, a slow montage of his mom getting attacked and everything and it'll be like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um who knows though i think i think if they're smart they'll just start it um but then then it goes straight into the matrix 90s club scene i really like how they did do this where they um it's this guy and this girl seemingly on a date she's she's taking them to some like secret location you know we find out you know she's a vampire this is a a vampire rave i just like that it's from the perspective of this dude that just is like i'm here to party i'm here to get lucky yeah and we're like he's slowly starting to get like freaked out by what he's seeing yeah yeah um and then, and, and then blood starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's cool. It's crazy. You if if you're watching the movie the second time through, you're thinking and feeling so bad for all the actors in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and then freaking Wesley Snipe comes in and starts killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And this is I mean, I think you'd have to make it a pretty good argument as ma- one of the best introductions to a superhero. I don't know how they're going to top it in the new movie. Yeah. Um, because he just, Wesley, this whole movie, he just knows how to stand and how to make, like, let the camera look at him in a way that it is, it is like a, he is ripped from a comic book panel. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest comic book performances I think I've ever seen. I mean, the guy just embodies it. And every, all the physicality and the fact that he'll, like, do a punch and hold and punch and hold. and <laughs> Yeah, he does that, like, the whole time. <laughs> he just knows what to do. Um, Scrape his sword along and then just sort of, like, turn his hand. Uh, like, why did he why did he twist his hand like that? Well, just to like, flex his muscle. Yeah, I think the whole, uh, the whole first, or it's pretty soon after that, where he goes to get his, uh, his shot. Maybe it's a couple scenes later. And he's in the chair. You know, and apparently it's really painful. It's in the neck. And I was like, I think that's the main and only scene where he's mostly shirtless. And I think he's like, just like, they're like, oh, just flex all of your muscles as <laughs> yeah. much as you can. Uh, Definitely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, he, he just has these great smirks throughout the whole movie. And and the sequence, I mean, this is the thing we run up against the show all the time, covering action movies. You have to kind of see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but holy cow, it's unbelievably cool. I I still like, you know, it is like we've talked about dated in effects ways, but I, I like how the vampires like disintegrate when yeah. they've been mm-hmm. impaled with a silver yeah. thing. Now, one thing good. I couldn't figure out was why Donald, Lo- is it Donald or Donald? I think it's Donald. Donald Loge. Uh, why he? Donald. Donald. Sorry. Okay. I, I couldn't figure out why he could regenerate and others could not. Did well, he wasn't that? ever stabbed in the heart. Right? But he, when he like nails him to the, to, the, to the wall and he says, let me try it with fire this time. So there's an implication that he's tried to kill him several times. Could he be pure? I, hmm. We don't know. I, I don't thought know. he was just torturing him, basically. Oh. That's what I was thinking. Or maybe he wanted him to go back and send a message or something. Yeah. Yeah, because he's giving her instructions, and he's like, here's the thing. Shoot him in the heart or the head. Um, otherwise, you'll waste all your bullets. Uh-huh. So I think I think his stuff was all not heart or head shots, and so you'll regenerate eventually. 
because it took him a uh, while okay. for the for the fire skin you know for his skin to come back right um and then the arms too so yeah i think that that's must be it that, that must be why Okay, that okay, that makes sense. Yeah. The funny thing about that though is later on, you know, that guy is taken to the hospital. At, well, they, he's a uh, burn victim. He's a corpse. Yeah. And they're like studying him and stuff, and then he comes back to life and then starts biting people. And it's like, it, I don't <laughs> think Blade intended him to like harm yeah. more people, but I yeah. don't know. I don't know because I do think it was I, well, like he wasn't it, trying to kill him. The only reason he got. Wait, that's because the cops came, right? So maybe he was in the middle of. Sure, that's that's was, probably it. Actually, I think what he was doing was looking for um, uh, Frost, and that's yeah. his number one guy. And so he was going there, and he probably pinned him up. He wanted to get some information, and then that the human, the guy that started on the date, shows up, stops him, and then that's yeah. when all the cops show up, and he has to do his Batman escape type right. of thing. So right, um, that's it. So I'm guessing that was not his plan. Uh, I, I guess I bet I guess I I'm betting his guess was I uh, know I'm guessing <laughs> the plan can't get it out was to interrogate him uh, and it didn't yeah. go it didn't go right got it yeah yeah no go. that tracks that tracks you you fixed it there we go we're good um you fixed us actually because that's all that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so then in the in the morgue he comes to life the effects on him are fantastic. Yeah, I thought the makeup and stuff. It it's truly yeah. gross. Yeah. I don't I, I like I like I don't like looking at it, but it's in that way of like cover my face and open a triangle on one of my eyes so I can see. I, <laughs> I like in the scene too where it, it is a lot of just implications of things where the 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 we we're introduced to Karen where she's like studying the blood which seems to be strange, not normal human blood reaction things. Yeah. And her and this guy are like, they have a history together and he wants to talk to her about Like, there's just like such real life things are happening. Mundane things. Yeah. And I, I like that. That's kind of like the backdrop to like, and then this vampire comes back to life and starts killing him. And it's like, their relationship does not matter. Right. Yeah. I liked that touch. It's a good, I mean, the, the, the script is, it's very economical. Yeah. It's it's great. Um but yeah, so then Karen, is that the character's uh -huh. name? She gets bit. Oh. And then we get introduced to Blade takes her after a, a, a daring escape uh and is able to show off his superhuman powers by like throwing her <laughs> over <laughs> like the New York skyline onto trash bags or something. All, uh, all she gets is a dislocated shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Lucky her. And then he he jumps the distance. Um, so and he like smirks when he does it too. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so great. And so then they go back to like their hideout. Uh huh. And this is where we meet Whistler, played by Chris Christopherson. Yep. Uh, and he he's a human, but he's just a vampire hunter. Uh huh. And for any comedy Bang Bang fans that are listening, I think that maybe Andy Daly's character, Dalton Wilcox, is loosely based on this guy because <laughs> he sounds just like him and said many sentences that he has said on comedy Does Bang Bang. Like him. Uh, so that was pretty fun to see this time around. Yeah. And he says, you should have killed this girl because she's going to turn. And then instead of it being this long emotional thing, they just cut right to the chase like the serum thing that we talked about. And he just says, yeah, I know, but I didn't. <laughs> and yep. that's it. 
And, and it's like, okay, I get it. I I understand this character but already. But don't they inject her with garlic to try and... Prov- like, there's, there's a chance yeah. that they can stop it if it's not too late. Yeah. And and this, again, like, like you're talking about how the MCU and, and really superhero movies in general can sometimes get really in the weeds on the science fiction stuff when uh-huh. really they're kind of all fantasies. That's uh-huh. more what I think. Um and and this movie is like perfectly skirts the line where it's like injection with garlic makes sense to me that's cool and it also <laughs> feels sci-fi and interesting and fun but it also doesn't really make sense but also it totally makes sense yeah and that's how yeah. like all the stuff in this movie is I like get, the, oh go ahead as you say they get to what doesn't doesn't work really quick it's like crosses don't work this doesn't work that doesn't work but garlic works and uh, right light and silver those are the things that work that's what works we know that. Yeah, we just go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the like, All right, that's that's the rules. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, and I, I do, so kind of throughout this movie too, we learned like, well, pretty soon after this, we learned there's like a council of vampires that are like pure blood, which yeah. they were like born into it, which I kind of wish I actually had more information on that. Like, I guess vampires can procreate in some way, maybe. But then, because yeah. they're they're talking about to Deacon Frost, and he's um, like a dirty vampire because he was turned into one. And it's like there there's some interesting lore there. So then, all all to say is, I like when when they're like injecting Karen with garlic. It's it's very like it's garlic is bad for vampires. We're gonna stop this infection that's inside of you. So basically, Deacon like is an infected person. When these guys yeah. are like, I am pure and true. It's an interesting, well, yeah, both sides of it. What and what? <laughs> one thing that that Goyer thought was interesting and wanted to showcase, and I think he really does, is is this idea of um, you. There's a there's a group of people, and you're an outsider. Okay, mm-hmm. you know that's a common theme, but it's like deacons and outsider on the council, and then and he he included this in his description because it is pretty in it's actually kind of insane that in the 90s um that like a black superhero lead movie would happen yeah uh for for considering that it took until 2018 for it to happen a second time uh which it shouldn't have but anyway i digress um and and so goyer is talking about how it's like we have a we have a black man and it's like he's already an outsider, and then he's also outside the vampires and the humans. Mm-hmm. So it's like he does not belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I do think they hit those themes in a in a subtle and good way in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I I did forget to mention that the studio did say at one point they asked if they could have a white actor do it. Really? <laughs> and wow. Goyer was like, "Absolutely not! You can't do that." <laughs> um, geez, that's so crazy. Um, it's moments like I mean, those. Uh, you, you just get a little sad. I, uh, yeah, but I mean, I feel like Tom Cruise played a Japanese warrior once. Uh, there's, That's you know, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Christian Christian Bale played uh, Moses. You know, like there's the, yeah, it, it's crazy. Like I agree, it's totally crazy. But at the same time, uh, there's been plenty of of folks who uh, white guys have played any any anybody and everybody. So yeah. That is that is very true. And speaking of Moses, I I recently watched the Ten Commandments for the first time, and you know that was once again Charlton Heston, yeah, playing the the Egyptian guy. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you saw. I mean, uh, Richard Dreyfuss was just interviewed recently about something. He was just going off about Hollywood's um, like diversity writers and things. And 
one of the things he specifically said, he's like, you're telling me that, uh, you know, a, a white man could never play a black character ever again. And, you know, and, he, and he's like saying how ridiculous this is. And, all, and I'm like, are you really going to die on that hill, Richard? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. <laughs> That's a little tone deaf and and just wrong, but um, yeah. Anyway, so he was trying to list the the great performances of white men playing uh, black men, and that they should be able to do it. And we're just like, man, that's uh, so. I'm with you. It's uh, it's interesting that that they got it through. Um, the other thing is it, because of the studio thing, they'll often say the reason it has nothing to do with um. Uh, anything but the bottom line that tick that tickets like we just right. can't sell a movie with yeah. a, a minority lead um and now uh especially since um let's see uh, parasite one i think it was that year was it two years ago three years ago um it actually is is just uh patently false so like uh, right major movies with uh, diverse characters, whether it's women or people of color, actually are huge box office successes. So they actually can't draw on that. And maybe in the mid '90s, they they might have been able to more consistently. So it's even more of a kind of outlier that he would have been able to lead the, this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is a very good point. Um, and also continuing on that point, just just for you know, the, I, I do think though, as as being critical on movies and stuff. When, when you're watching an old movie, you should still be able to enjoy the movie to a certain extent. So, like, yeah. I watched The Ten Commandments, yeah. and I think there's a type of person now that gets mad on Twitter and would just be like, this movie should be deleted from every archive. And you know what? It is still a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if it was made today, it should be made differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Still study old movies. <laughs> um. But yeah, so okay, the resistance. We talked about that. Uh, the resistance. I mean, the serum building up about resistance. Force Awakens again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wait, we're back in our Star Wars. <laughs> no, we hit a portal. Um, yeah, uh, Chris Christopherson tells Karen, "Buy yourself a gun, uh-huh. and if you start turning, turn it on yourself." Mm-hmm. I mean. Old, old old man working on steel and stuff in the background saying a line like that. Good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of feels like a, a classic like vampire and or zombie trope advice yeah. that's always given. And I it's like you always gotta like tick that box. Totally, totally. I love it. Um so then she goes heads to her apartment and and this detail I love. She's worried. She sees these people with matching tattoos, but she's like, it's daytime outside. Mm-hmm. She goes to her apartment. She's freaked out. And this cop comes in and he says, hey, you know, you, you were a missing person. You were attacked. I'm just checking in on you. And she's thinking, okay, it's a vampire. Sprays him with garlic. And he starts laughing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, garlic doesn't work. And she, she says, they said it would work. And, he, and then Blade comes in. And he goes, he's a familiar. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Like, oh, man. Um, and then she gets mad because he used her as bait. Yeah. Uh, and, and he responds and says, get over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite simply. <laughs> um, by the way, we, we have not watched the sequels yet. Uh, I've never seen them before. Uh, are, we, are, are we in for a good ride on the, on the next couple? I think so. I actually haven't seen the third one, um, okay. and it's been quite a while since I've seen the second. Um, the 
Yes. I mean, they're both worthwhile. I just can't, I can't remember, which is probably good because I don't want to set you up or poison the well. I don't okay. Inflate your expectations or not. So um, I'll just remain neutral at this point and okay. uh, let it go from there. So, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what a couple of things I noted is that there are so many newspapers in the city. They're just flying around all over the place oh, in every okay. shot. As a prop. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like uh, Tim Burton's Batman. No, I kept meaning, but look, what city are we in? Are we in a, an actual city or? I assumed New York, but do they, I, they, I guess they never tell us. They just tell they us show, it's now. They show like a skyline at one point, and I didn't recognize it as New York. Um, oh. Uh, I assumed I thinking, because of Marvel <laughs> that it was New York. Yeah, I did too. It just, it, the, the they had one skyline shot, and I just, it didn't look like a, anything that was clearly yeah. new so i i want to I'll, I'll look it up we'll see okay um and then another thing i noted is that uh deacon frost makes kurt cobain look like mickey mouse <laughs> what do you mean by that <laughs> he's he is as emo and as okay. grunge as it gets in this <laughs> okay, movie okay, okay. and you know what i remember not really digging him the first time we watched I the movie i felt the same way and i was fine with it this time i thought he was awesome in this yeah I think I was uh, a little annoyed with him in the last act was my memory. Yeah, like, but... like he like switched and was just a little like, okay, but he was fine. He totally worked for me. Yeah. Y you have any thoughts on Steven Dorff in this movie? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I remember when I originally saw it thinking he was a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm with you this time. I was like, Oh, I mean, maybe because again, it's all expectations. I yeah. was, yeah, he's like, meh. Um, but I'm like, actually, he he did okay. I mean, like for for the character he was supposed to play, um, like I think he's supposed to annoy us, kind of like he annoyed the you know the the True Bloods or whatever they were called. Right, uh, right. So you're kind of supposed to be like, oh man, you're you are lame. Like, what are you what are you doing? So right. Um, yeah, I I thought he I thought he did well um, with the whole thing. So yeah. yeah. So something in this movie that so it is such economical storytelling which I love because um, it's, it's hard to, to watch a MC M, or a Marvel movie today and not compare it to what we have now because we've gone through so many. Yeah. Um, something that I would have liked a little bit more of is this relationship between the, these like pure bloods and everyone else uh -huh. and how they've like somehow maintained as a place in society where they can blend in with humans and like normal population and they seem to like control world commerce in some way and uh -huh. other things. Well, they have a treaty with humans. They yeah. They mentioned. have a treaty. And I, I think I would have liked a little bit more to understand that relationship maybe so that I could feel a little bit more tension other than like Deacon just kind of felt like a kid that didn't want to follow the rules. Sure. But I know that a big part of it was because they were telling him he was wrong and he was an outsider. I see but what you mean. Yeah. He just kind of like that relationship seemed a little um, just like he's a kid. Right. Thing. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I see what you mean. I I think for me, I I don't really I think the movie does enough. Yeah. Like on a personal level. But I, I do kind of hope that maybe the second one or the third one maybe has a little more council stuff in it, you know, and expands it. Yeah. Because uh, it is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do we have word on the city? So um, some people uh, like you have been assuming it was New York. But according to Wikipedia, it, okay. the club anyway that he raids is in downtown L.A. Oh. 
Again, I need to go back and watch the one or two scenes I remember of them showing a skyline. But this is the night late '90s uh, skyline of LA, which would be a little bit different than right now. But um, I still uh, it didn't. It, it makes me wonder where it was shot. But supposedly it took place in Los Angeles, wow. which I can attest has lots of blowing newspapers. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just it, it does seem. Now that you mention it, it, it does seem more LA than it does New York. Um, huh. Okay. Just assumed it's New York. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then um, there is a vampire Bible. Yeah. To which I say, cool. <laughs> and it is in huge, like Dead Sea Scroll, like sections in this museum area. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And, and like a vampire library. A vampire library, and I be- is that when they have a fight there, or do they talk to Pearl, the record keeper, first? I think they talk to the record keeper first. And uh, record keeper, cool, <laughs> yeah. really gross. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I do not remember that character. I did not remember that either. Yeah, oh. nuts. I think because they they'd shot seven by now, right? That had come out. Yeah, the movie seven. seven? Like, seven's like ninety five or something like that. Okay, so they they just took like the 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 mannequin or whatever, and they they just put it in there and then added a couple of pounds for yeah. the for the gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> Both are things that are hard for me to look at, but uh, I like it in this one. And I, she's I, like, "What is she? She's sh- shining the UV light light on him." Yeah, she's burning it. And oh, it's brutal. I can't. What I'm curious about is, did the vampire was the vampire like that as a human, and like. Or are they so gluttonous as a vampire they got mm. this way? That's what I'm interested about. But I'd have to read the comic yeah. book to find out, I'm sure. Yeah, That's that is, it. I didn't think about that. It's one of those fun, unexplainable things. There just is this bizarro character. Yeah. And and I love that they don't explain it though. Like I, I don't I don't need a backstory for everybody, but no. I would have liked to have seen him turn into a bat though. For sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> It'd have been more like a like a pterodactyl or something. Like yeah. yeah. Giant something. Um then they have a big fight in the library. Yeah. Uh and then that leads them to the subway. I know I'm kind of breezing through these scenes, but yeah. you know. Uh it's, yeah. It's fast paced, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it's I I love that the the Karen character is along for the ride and like chooses to be so is like, well, I am now a part of this world. So I'm just coming with you for it the whole time. Um, I, I think, I think that, you know, they, they use her, her character. Well, she's kind she, in in a lot of ways, she's the audience. Yeah. She's getting a lot of the exposition and explanations of things of what's happening. Um, but, but I like that she's continuing to be like sticking by his side to figure out what, like to try and help. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this is a question I had. I think, you know, I'm uh, pregnant, so maybe I just like missed something. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about other things. At what point did she make an antidote, and did she take the antidote? Because suddenly they're just talking about it, and I feel like I missed it. Yeah, I know. I that, hmm. Yeah, I know they were working on it, and that's when it like exploded. That's in when the she lab. brought the like equipment the from the hospital. Equipment to their hideout and then that's all i remember after and after that i i don't remember her injecting herself with it or anything but i thought because, that she did because when she when they have the conversation in the end she's like do you want yeah. it or not weigh all your stuff then he goes, i thought he 
it sounded like it had it, it sounded like the conversation implied he she hadn't finished it like but but when it was finished was she saying like it's done now or like i'm still working on it i guess i was assuming i assume she- I, I think I assumed that she had finished it and maybe had even taken it because huh. at some point before that, Whistler had told her, like, you're going to become a vampire. Like, this is just happening to you. But then as the movie's going on, she doesn't seem to have any, like, desire to drink blood. Yeah. So I think I just assumed yeah. that she was cured. But maybe that's huh. just me assuming. Although at the end well, of the movie, she she would be, right? Because he sucked her blood. That's what I thought she led him is because she's like, I'm dead anyway. Oh. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Dang it. I, I... Is, it, is it the storytelling too economical that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we could have used one more scene to, to discuss the serum. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I do like that the vampires just start putting on sunblock and that's enough yeah (laughs) that's like silly but just not silly enough that i'm like okay i like it (laughs) yeah it it was it was funny (laughs) that's got to be a high spf though i gotta tell you oh the highest yeah um they take out a high council member and they rip his fangs out and let the sun disintegrate him Uh uh-huh um that's cool (laughs) yep I I say I wrote working on serum, so they are working on it, um, and that's when all the guys break in. That's so, right. So they did. She didn't finish it. Oh, she didn't yeah. finish it. Okay. Remember and remember, it blows up in his face. So yeah. like that's yeah. one of the early things. Um, and then so she she does. She's not sure if it'll work, but she does have a thing. Um, yeah. She's not entirely sure. Okay. Okay. And I guess she has enough of the test trial that's powerful enough that it can kill the bad guy at the end of the movie. Yeah. Well that, yeah. I thought that was different than the cure. That was I a, that, I think oh. she explained that it was, it was just this thing that I forget that you inject it, someone with it and it does something to their blood. Therefore it'll kill a vampire. It's and because he, he made a comment and she's like, well, we're not using that for the serum. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Great. And okay. Once again, we figured it out. Uh, <laughs> Um, let's see. Hallway people expanding and exploding into goop. What's that? Well, that's when she, when he injects them with that stuff. Oh, <laughs> and it explodes. Yeah. Another another bad CGI moment where yes, like, uh, their faces blow up. But also kind of fun. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> like on like on a rewatch because I I do remember the it was like from that moment on with the first time I was watching it, it was like oh woof what are we doing I know and now. Now I'm like I don't know it it doesn't it doesn't bug me that much. But, it's interesting but maybe that it, they did it. Maybe it's that I'm braced, and I I remembered the third act being like borderline unwatchable because of the special effects, and now and so I think with that expectation this time around I'm like oh these are pretty good. Yeah. Like, and it is you know it is pre Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean I think there's I've, some practical stuff they could have done, but I've nailed it down. So. Oh, There's here an anti, we go. An anticoagulant formula known as EDTA. And that's what blows up when she says, look in there, but don't look. And it blows up the... Yes. Uh, that's what's in the blue vials that kills Frost at the end. Yes. Okay. Which, which is different than what she ends up using in the actual serum that cures people. Got it. Okay. Got yeah. It. Okay. And because yeah, at the end, he tells her to keep working on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, 
Got it. We're we're locked in. Thank you. I yes. guess because I was just because when he does suck her blood at that moment, I and probably just more of me assuming and not really paying attention to the world. It's like so a vampire can suck a vampire's blood, but maybe yeah, she's not I, a vampire yet. I don't. Know. I think yeah, she's I think still she hadn't turning. fully turned. Yeah, she yeah. hadn't fully turned. That's for that, sure. That's got to be it. Yeah, but but what we skipped and when he does the blood sucking, what had just happened was that his mom showed up. Yes. Right. Which I forgot, once again. Uh, but I at first, I felt like I wished that it hadn't been in the movie. But then as the movie progresses and, the, and they do kind of hit it and she, you know, he's basically able to convince himself that it is not his actual mother. I think I did land on liking the inclusion of the mother coming I, back. I think it's interesting. Especially yeah. like that, you know, it's kind of like an Oedipus thing that you're kind of, that you had mentioned yeah. too, which is interesting. But at, at, at first glance, I was like, I don't like that they brought her back. But it does make sense too. Uh, you'd probably wonder that. And then and then when it revealed that Stephen Dorff was the one that brought, like, turned her, that's pretty interesting as well. And, and I like what you had said earlier, Cutter, about how, like, a, a big part of his motive, Blades, is to avenge his what happened to his mom. And then to find out that this is who his mom is, it, uh-huh. it is like, so what, what are you fighting for now? Yep. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that coupled with the, the sucking of the blood, do we, do we have any other thoughts or comments on, on those two elements? What do we want to unpack or not unpack there? Well, I mean, he, he doesn't, well, I mean, the two things that, you know, are driving him, he, he doesn't see himself as a vampire. So like he doesn't drink human blood. Right. Um, that's why he takes the serum. And then he wants to avenge his mom. And in that one scene, he drinks human blood and kills his mom. <laughs> right. Sort of like, uh, so it's, it's that it, it's kind of like the, uh, um, this was interesting that, uh, Goyer wrote the dark Knight. It's a really similar kind of thing. Like the superhero, not as, you know, a, purely moral upright person but is like constantly kind of breaking his or her own arbitrary standards um in in light of you know the urgency of now or or what they'll tell themselves because they have to fight this like great good um and only they're yeah. the ones to be responsible with it in the moment so you get you know you get bruce wayne uh surveilling every human out there for the sake of this one time, you know, so I think that's the, one of the interesting things of like the stuff that he would, he's driven by in terms of his virtue are the very things that are the biggest threats to him. But then also apparently the things that he'll, you know, he has to uh, undo in order Mm. to, to defeat the enemy. Yeah, that is, that is a, I I wonder if that, that theme is in more of his, of his movies. Um, But I, I'm, I'm blanking right now. I'm tr- I'm trying to think of like Batman versus Superman, which he's also a writer on. Uh, but oh, that did. movie's quite a mess, so that one yeah. might be harder to parse out. But well, I'd say it's definitely in the Dark Knight. Um, some Batman Begins. Um, I it's I've saw Dark City once years ago, so I can't remember that one. But um, that one's so out there. I don't think it applies. Yeah, yeah. for my memory, right? But yeah, but I do yeah. find that interesting. All the sort of like tortured souls, and it's a it's kind of when, not when, but because um, again, this is early '90s, and I, I just don't. I should have looked this up. I didn't, but I don't recall a ton of superhero movies then at all. Um, 
Well, yeah, you'd have you'd have the you know the Reeves Superman movies were done by now, yeah. and then you'd be you'd be in the Schumacher Batman uh, yeah. during this time period. Yeah, so I grew up yeah, and all the you know Michael Keaton as Batman, and then the like series of just ridiculousness. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, but and they were all pretty clearly not not. I mean, they were they were dark characters, dark themes, but the character of Batman, from if I'm remembering those movies well were upright they were virtuous at their core yeah 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 there were there were certain lines they wouldn't cross because right. they were the good guy um and at this point we get i mean this is 98 so then you get matrix it's kind of similar so like that's why it's interesting that the themes of like you can't trust part of the reason you can you can break those lines is because you you literally can't trust who's on your side or not because like this is an illusion what's real is underground and i feel like in blade there's even a few lines like that like yeah um, yeah. You don't know what's going on above ground. You you know, underground is reality. They're all among us. Anybody can be the good yes. guy or the bad guy. You can't tell. So you got to shoot them all <laughs> just to be sure. Um, right. Then you get uh, like Fight Club, um, like all of these movies that all of a sudden they're like, they become anti-heroes, really, the, mm -hmm. the kind of superheroes do. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to look at just through that kind of lens. Um, and then, of course, though, what's unique here is that this is, marvel's franchise though so it's the nolan batman dc that gets sort of uh, a little more dark and seedy and marvel goes the iron man route um not too long after that so yeah hmm. anyway that's, that's my that's <laughs> yeah. my thematic read of killing your mom and sucking blood from uh uh the main lead woman and that's that's why we have you on this episode. <laughs> that's 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 great. Yeah, I. It is interesting that all these movies have this this distrust element it, it, during this time period. I mean, you gotta just wonder. You know, there there's a fear of technology coming. Uh, you know, that's definitely hit mm -hmm. on the Matrix, uh, the turn of the century. Um, we're through the excess of the '80s by this point. Um, yeah, maybe there's just a general nihilism amongst Americans that's like we can't trust anyone or anything anymore. Um, hmm. And all these movies are kind of reflecting that. Yeah. Oh, hmm. Man, weird. Uh, but makes for some great movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So I just want to say one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Donald Loesch says, uh, we're going to be gods. <laughs> I'm going to be naughty, a naughty vampire god. <laughs> that is a line in this movie. He was a very interesting character. I, I think he was so locked in. Oh, I think... <laughs> well, he, he is one of our great character actors. I mean, yeah. he, I don't think I've ever not seen him, like, absolutely 100% locked into the movie. No. Even if the movie is not good, it's like, well, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And um, so he's in What We Do in the Shadows, the show. As Donald Lode. Yeah. <laughs> do, they have to have referenced this movie. They, I'm sure they do. I just don't remember. I, I would like to watch that. I think, I think you and I forgot he was in Blade. So we were like, that's so random that they had this guy. Oh, and I think if we rewatched that, yeah. we'd be like, oh, duh. Right. Yeah. So um, one, one thing I thought too, um, so we're in this last part of the movie, they're in this like underground, like really ancient things happening and an ancient ritual going on. <laughs> Is this just underneath LA <laughs> or did they transport this piece by piece and assemble it? I, it's like 
from what I, I I don't know. I guess I don't know very much about LA, but it's like I kind of doubt vampires were like originated here. I don't know. But man. I've not read the comic I don't book. know. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, what is it? The Tom Petty song. Um how's it go? Uh is it Tom Petty? Where there's uh, the vampires living in Rosita. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Free, yeah, free fallen. It's free fallen. So maybe they did. Yeah, maybe I guess. I guess there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, if Tom Petty said it, I mean, what what are you gonna do? Deny Tom Petty? Um, when did um, John Carpenter's Vampires come out? Was that the '80s? No, that was the '90s. Okay, because uh, I was kind of thinking about that movie while watching this. Because you and I watched it not that long ago, and yeah. that movie is '98, same, same year. year. Man, oh. that movie is um, not great. No, I did not no. like that movie. Um, and so, because it, it, the aesthetics are somewhat similar, um, so it, and it's interesting because it's very different vampire movies and different vampire stories. That one definitely has the more religious route yep. to it. Um, but oh my gosh, that movie is not good. No, well, and and actually, this movie August, September, October. So, okay, so they weren't. I, this movie Blade came out in August, and that movie came out August thirtieth, uh, October thirtieth. Excuse me. Pretty close together, though. So probably everyone was like, I got my fill of a vampire thing. And it was yeah. awesome. I don't uh, want to see this. That's, yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, unfortunately, Carpenter, one of my favorite directors, but he is one of those guys, and it happens to artists, and it's like an undefinable quality that he did, he lost it. Yeah. Like he had it for, you know, 20 or two decades, and then he just didn't have it anymore. My mm. Yeah. Story about John Carpenter is um, my PhD mentor, my theology PhD mentor, um, was working in like Western Kentucky University, some you know doing whatever, and gets a call one day, uh, and you know this is in late seventies, and it's John Carpenter, and <laughs> and he's like, I'm getting married, and I need a pastor to marry me, um, and and Rob, my mentor's name, he's like, okay. Um, and then he's like, but my, the one, the one thing I, I, I must happen is I don't want, I don't want you to mention God at all. And, huh. and my mentor's oh. like, well, that's, that's kind of like what I do. <laughs> yeah. like, Why would you ask me to do it then if you don't want us to mention God at all? And he's like, well, you're, you're my only option. You're the only people that can marry people. And he's like, no, I'm not. I, and <laughs> I got a buddy down at the courthouse <laughs> that can marry you tomorrow. And, and John Carpenter's like, really? And he's like, yeah, that's the judge will marry you. And like, oh, great. Thanks so much. And then he went and got married by the judge. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, Rob. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, that's when you just say, okay, I'll marry <laughs> So like how bizarre, how bizarre of a world that uh, John Carpenter called up uh, my now close friend and said, would you marry? And he said, he said, no. There's so, almost kind wow. of like. I mean that that's not great, but like a sweet naivety about it, <laughs> where it's like I I need a a man of faith to I know, do this, I know. but it can't be a faith based thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just he thought I'm like, all right, that's pretty funny. So. <laughs> wow. wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah. That that's worth the the price of this episode alone, which is just downloading it. You should wow. you you should actually if you want uh, uh, talk to to Rob Rob Johnston. So I've co written books with him. He's done stuff in film for. Uh, oh, so he's kind of the father of uh, sort of theology and film. Uh, oh, stuff we that... we gotta have him on. I'd love to have yeah. him on. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Uh, so back to blade though, they get this whole machine running. They use blades, blood, and then they're able to awaken the Madra or Magra God. Sure. Uh, and this, and the fact that he was um, in the womb of a person who was bitten by a vampire and became a vampire is like why he's so special. Yeah, that's why he's a daywalker. Okay, that's yeah. why they needed his blood. Um, and so, so th- this like kills the council members. They fly away in in skeleton uh, bat form. Yeah, and then Steven Dorf's like, "Let's get down." I do wish that. That that Deacon could have kind of like become something that looked cooler, if if he was personifying the god. Yeah, he had, he had bloody eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I but I, I do think because of the way the movie was going effects wise, if they did do something, well, it yeah, would be really tough to watch now. I agree. So. I think I, what I couldn't tell is are the flying vampire skull bats uh, trying to kill him or are they like empowering him like was that part of how he became the god I felt like they were in, he was like consuming their power yeah, consuming is how power. i read it that's, oh, that's okay. what so yeah so they fly around he kind of gobbles them all up in a way <laughs> yeah very easy way and the one uh blonde hair or you know platinum hair yeah. she sneaks off she's like oh i'm out here Right, uh, and then and she she meets an untimely end or pretty quickly with the the callback of the garlic mace. Yeah, so yes, it works once. Um, and uh, yeah, then we get the epic battle. Yeah, and 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 before that, Blade also kills everybody in a very fun sequence of martial yep. arts. Uh, but yeah, then then they fight, and as they're fighting, it it is very cool, and and I think this speaks to like Snipes acting ability here in in this action persona where he's done so good at holding these poses. Yeah. And and being so perfectly cheesy. He's the right amount that then he attacks uh uh Deacon and does it in such a way that it's like a for sure kill and he's not even looking toward him and he's posed perfectly and then he starts sucking back together. Yeah. And then he looks and it's like the only time that he looks like he is doesn't know what's going on or what to do. Yeah. Perfect moment. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Really Love great. that moment. But then, of course, we fight for just a little bit. And and I, I love how mercifully short the fight is. Sometimes these, like, intimate fights take so long when you've already seen the coolest parts of movies. Yes. But the serum, not the serum, the explosive thing. Stuff. The, the E-D- E-D-H or something or other. yeah. Is, coagulant, it, coagulant, yeah, or, or non-coagulant, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's stuck in this crevice, and he throws his sword at it, and it it seemingly misses. But the sword has an automatic like blade that comes out and kill like r- rips off your hand if anyone tries to use it and does it incorrectly, which causes it to fall. He catches it behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just hits him with all four, and it makes him explode. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. And and it's like boom, done. That's it. And and we just watched all the Dirty Harry movies. And what was the line he said? Some mm-hmm. mother effers 
we're all yeah so some of the rappers uh, always trying to ice skate uphill um, so good at which point he then does like a roundhouse kick for the last serum thing into his yeah. chest yeah. like that's <laughs> totally totally unnecessary instead of just throwing it he does a totally like, kick it's yeah. so good ice yeah. skate I, and I got to start using that in life. I really got to start living by that motto. Um, but but we just recently went through all of the Dirty Harry movies for our mm -hmm. podcast, and we've watched this movie. And I think it's time, folks, for at least every, like, one out of five movies to just get to your ending within, like, three minutes of the last, like, scene instead of a 20-minute conclusion. Because, oh, boy. It's so nice when a movie just is like sky shot, crane, characters well, let's, are moving on, she, let's go. She's like, you know, so do you want to take the serum now that you've finished this? And he's like, there's still work to be done. Moscow. Yeah. Continuing uh -huh. his work. Credits. And then they kind of like, it's like a replic replicate the opening scene. Yeah. Where, where uh, this guy is taking a girl this time yeah. to some place. And then he starts attacking and then Blade's like, there. Yep. Pulls out his blade, cuts to black. Yep. That's all we need sometimes. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, I do want to... Oh, go ahead. Good setup. It's a good setup for Blade 2. So. Yeah. Um, it, I, yeah, it made me want to put it, put it in right away. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and, and I do want to mention there was an alternate ending. Oh. And I did watch it where after they have that little conversation, the camera turns... And you see a vampire out in the distance, played by the director of the movie. You just see his outline, but it is none other than Dr. Michael Morbius from Marvel Comics. Oh. And he, and she says something like, well, you better get to work. And then and it cuts to black. He's a bad guy? Well, or he's like another anti-hero? He's an anti-hero. Yeah, I, I think in the comics, he meets Blade early on and like either helps him become Blade... There's some connection oh. to that character and Blade in particular that is, is uh, allows him to become Blade either through training, like either gives him martial arts training oh. or he part of how he slightly infects him or something. So okay, that would that would uh, that would make sense. Yeah, I only know him through the lens of Spider-Man and Spider-Man comics, and I always and feel like he's misplaced anytime he's in an issue. Um, okay. Not every time. There's a couple of good things, but. He he premiered in Spider Man and he's like a Spider Man bad guy, but he's but it's sometimes evolved. It's kind of like a Fast and Furious thing. It's like everybody's family at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Depends sure. on which issue you're pulling up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's Blade. Yeah. It's it's, it's awesome. Tough. If you haven't watched it, listener, watch it. And then and then <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't listen to the podcast first. No, 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 no. We just spoiled it all. We just spoiled it all. Yeah, if you are one of those weird people that that starts the episode and then skips to the very end to see what we say <laughs> and then go back to the beginning, yeah, watch it. Um, Cutter, do you have anything else to say about this movie that we didn't cover? No, just uh, it's fun. It's nostalgic. Uh, it's uh, a lot of like really solid parts of it, and if you can. Just set aside the the couple uh, CG moments. Um, I think yeah. on the whole, it holds up um, mm -hmm. and it's fun. And and yeah, to to say we had a black lead of a MCU franchise as one of if, as the first one really, other than Howard the Duck, 
Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty interesting, uh, pretty groundbreaking in ways that I don't think it was recognized at the time. So right, yeah, yeah. Um, I got nothing else to say about the movie. You, Jordan? No, it's cool. Well, take the floor cutter, plug away. What do you have to plug? Well, all I have to plug is uh, actually maybe there's a couple things. One, um, depending upon when this comes out, uh, hopefully the first week of October, we're gonna if you're in the Pasadena area, we are gonna have a a horror um, sort of conference. Uh, people in the industry that are working uh, will have some uh, directors, some writers, and then some on-screen talent sort of workshops. Um, we'll have a couple screenings of, uh, soon to be released movies. Um, some that are coming out Whoa. this October and some conversations of those. So, uh, just check out, uh, Brim film. If you're interested in joining us for that. Uh, other thing, our podcast is coming out, uh, be afraid. So check that out. Um, I'm hosting, my name's Cutter. Um, and then for those of you who are of the, uh, religious persuasion, hopefully at that same time, we will have, um, a what we are calling a horror devotional which is essentially <laughs> okay uh a a series of devotional readings from the biblical text that are themselves in the horror genre and we're kind of putting them together with other kind of horror films uh in terms of shedding light on some of these stories that are pretty tragic and grotesque and traumatic and asking why would we why would we want to reflect on those and meditate on those so um more info on that'll come out but uh that'll cool. be yeah, to check out another thing to promote cross promote very cool it sounds like you wrote a book for jordan yeah <laughs> a devotional for me <laughs> yeah, yeah. perfect um yeah well thank you for coming on yeah thank you so much um yep. don't thank forget you. to and, oh go ahead well i was gonna say and congratulations in advance on the impending uh arrival yes of, thank you of a new macaw by the time this comes out, hopefully be... we're like masters at this whole parenting oh. thing. <laughs> You'll be writing a book on how other people should parent. So. Right, right. Isn't that how it works? You, you you master the parenting skill and it gets easier, right, as they get older? It only gets easier. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast and sign up for Patreon for bonus episodes. All of the links are in the notes, including what Cutter has mentioned. I will put in the the episode notes to to the show so uh next week is blade two blade cool. two all right see you next week bye, -bye. bye.